Welcome to Serious Faith, a podcast exploring the gospel story by story to discover the way of Jesus. Well, hello. Welcome back to another week of Serious Faith. It's going to be another good one because we're in scripture and all of it's good. It's good stuff. So this week we continue on. Uh, Last week we were in John chapter 8. We just started chapter 8. We talked about a bit of scripture that is kind of disputed as far as uh, whether it should be in there or not. But uh, we are in now starting with verse 12 and uh, going all the way to verse 30. And so we're looking at Jesus in the temple uh, having another encounter with religious folks. Uh, Some of my favorite encounters of Jesus in the Gospels are when he's encountering religious people. And uh, so... Let's jump in. Here's what the scripture says. Jesus spoke to the people again, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, Because you're testifying about yourself, your testimony isn't valid. Jesus replied, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, since I know where I come from and where I'm going. You don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to human standards, but I judge no one. Even if I do judge, my judgment is truthful, because I am not alone. My judgments come from me and from the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the, that the witness of two people is true. I am one witness concerning myself, and the Father who sent me is the other. They asked him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You don't know me, and you don't know my Father. If you knew me, you would also know my Father. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the temple area known as the treasury. No one arrested him, because his time hadn't yet come. Jesus continued, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you can't come. The Jewish leader said, He isn't going to kill himself, is he? Is that why he said, Where I'm going, you can't come? He said to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not from this world. This is why I told you that you would die in your sins. If you don't believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Jesus replied, I'm exactly who I've claimed to be from the beginning. I have many things to say in judgment concerning you. The one who sent me is true, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They didn't know that he was speaking about his father. So Jesus said to them, When the human one is lifted up, then you will know that I am. Then you will know that I do nothing on my own, but I say just what the Father has taught me. He who sent me is with me. He doesn't leave me by myself, because I always do what makes him happy. While Jesus was saying these things, many people came to believe in him. All right, so Jesus having another encounter with religious folks. If you remember, this happens quite frequently, actually, um, which, of course, is going to happen when you're here claiming to be God, right? Uh, And so so Jesus speaks, and he says something that most of us, I think, kind of take for granted. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am what gives this world light. I'm what gives it meaning. I'm what gives it hope. Right? I'm the light of the world in darkness. And so the Pharisees uh, have an issue, take issue with this. And they say, well, he's testifying about himself. Right? So obviously that can't be real. Like it can't, he can't testify about himself. That doesn't work, right? Like if I'm on trial because I've mugged someone and they say, well, how do we know that you didn't do that? And I go, well, because I'm saying that I didn't do it. Right? They don't care. <laughs> right? You can't testify about yourself. And so the Pharisees, they're following this logical line. They say, well, that's great that you think you're the light of the world, but you're testifying about yourself, so your testimony doesn't even, it doesn't even count. 
And Jesus kind of clarifies, he says, really, he says, first of all, if I testify by myself, it's true because I know where I'm coming from and where I'm going, right? Like I know who I am. I know that I'm God. I know that I am truth, right? The way, the truth, and the life, right? He knows that he is the truth. So he says, first of all, I know that what I'm saying is true. But second, he says, he says, look, I'm not, it's not even just me, right? He says, look, you got to have two witnesses. It's me and it's the father, right? His father, the Holy Father, the God, right? So, so it's interesting because he calls on the father as another witness. And you might think, well, how's God witnessing here, right? Like, except that really what, what he's witnessing to is what's going on here. Like he's witnessing to Jesus and who Jesus is. And if you read scripture, especially in the Old Testament, when it talks about the Messiah, you'll find that it all leads toward Jesus, right? So he, he is constantly testifying to the validity of Jesus. And so he says, I am one witness concerning myself and the father who sent me is the other, right? And so then they ask, well, where's your father? <laughs> where's your father? Right? And, they're, and to be fair, they're probably just thinking Joseph here. They're thinking, well, how's your dad testifying? He's not even here, right? And so Jesus says, you don't know me and you don't know my father because if you knew me, you'd know him, right? He says, look, I am revealing God to you, right? Have you, have you, have you ever considered that? That like what we see in Jesus in the gospels is like the character of God, the witness of God being brought out in a physical, literal person, right? He says, if you knew me, you would also know my father. So when we get to know Jesus, we get to know God. And of course, they don't really like that, right? Because they didn't like anything Jesus was teaching. But what's interesting here to me is when it says here in verse 20, he says, no one arrested him because his time hadn't yet come. I love this. Because what he says, what it's saying here essentially is they wanted to arrest him, right? They wanted to, to call him out. They wanted him to be wrong. They wanted him to not be what they, what they thought he wouldn't, wouldn't be, right? They, they really wanted him to fit their mold. But it says that they couldn't arrest him because it wasn't his time yet, right? Like God, it's almost like the picture of like God sets up a, a fence and he's like, nope, not yet. <laughs> it's not time yet. And they're clawing at it, clawing at it. Let me in, let me in. You know, I want to arrest him, but God holds him back. And so Jesus says, I'm going away and you're going to look for me and you'll die in your sin because where I'm going, you can't come. And I love this because their assumption is he's going to kill himself because they're essentially what their assumption is here by killing himself that he's going to end up in hell, right? By killing himself, he's going to go somewhere they can't go because there's this idea that, well, we're the religious people. We're the ones who know God. We are not going to go to hell, right? So if he's saying he's going somewhere we can't go, we can't go to hell. You, do you see that? Do you see that connection there? It's just, it's interesting to me that they, their assumption is that Jesus, the place he's going to go, they can't go is hell. He's going to go to the place where they can't go. And so it's interesting to me because Jesus essentially says the exact opposite. He's like, no, actually, I'm going to go to heaven and you can't come there. <laughs> I, just, I just, I read this and I thought, oh my goodness. It's like, it's almost like a borderline burn there. Like, you know, they're assuming he's going to go somewhere because they're going to kill himself. And he, Jesus is going, actually, you can't come because I'm, I'm not from this world. <laughs> and if you don't believe who, who I am, you're going to die in your sins. And at this point, I think they've just run out of, run out of issues because they just say, well, who are you? <laughs> right? Who are you to tell me that? Who are you to say these things? And Jesus, I love his response. I'm exactly who I've claimed to be from the beginning. Jesus never tried to be somebody else. He says, look, from the very start, I've been the same person from the very start. 
I've claimed to be who I am. I haven't changed. I'm not changing who I think I am, who I know I am. Man, I can't imagine, like, being in this situation where Jesus is saying these things. And they've got to be a little confusing, right? Because you have to remember, like, give them a little bit of credit because what they thought and had been passed down to them that was going to, the Messiah was going to look like, Jesus looked nothing like him. But Jesus is just unrolling truth here and just, I mean, just let him have it. And they just, they don't get it at all. And and what I love is his proof. Like, because remember, we're talking kind of testimony length here, right? He said, I give testimony, the Father gives testimony. He says uh, in verse 28, when the human one is lifted up, then you will know that I am. Then you will know that I do nothing on my own, but I say just what the Father has taught me. He who sent me is with me. And he doesn't leave me by myself because I always do what makes him happy. See, he says, look, the ultimate witness to who I am will be when I am lifted up. Right? When I'm, when I'm exalted. When I'm... And, and you, you get the picture here, right? You get the picture of sort of... Like you, I mean, your, your first inclination is probably like the ascension, right? Like you see Jesus unraveled and you see all his glory and all that stuff. But, but my immediate picture when he talks about being lifted up is lifted up on the cross. That ultimately you'll know who he is because of the work that he's done on the cross, right? Like, it's almost like the, the cross, what he does when he gets lifted up. And I think of, like, in John chapter 3, when we were back there, and we talked about being uh, lifted up like the golden snake in, in Moses's day. You know, he's being lifted up on the cross. It's only in that lifting up, when he's up on the cross, that you really, it, like, opens the door for us to see who he is. Right? And then he says, then you'll know... You will know that I do nothing on my own, but I say just what the Father has taught me. He says, look, you're going to know because in that moment, there isn't anybody choosing that. And nobody is going to choose what Jesus chose on the cross to go to the cross, to die excruciatingly death, to be raised again, ultimately. Nobody's going to choose that unless God has specifically told them to and those people are obeying. And that's what he says when he says, he doesn't leave me by myself because I always do what makes him happy. Right? The word there in other translations is obedience. Right? Because I obey him. I do what makes him happy. And so because Jesus obeyed, God doesn't leave him and he, he sees him through these things. And it's interesting, in verse 30 it says, while Jesus was saying these things, many people came to believe in him. So you have... Again, as we have in most of our stories, two extremes. You have the Pharisees who are listening to Jesus saying, well, who do you think you are? And you have these average everyday people who it says many came to believe in him. Holy cow. Right? Holy cow. He's got people believing in him in the same moment, in the same breath, when people are trying to come after him to murder him. And if that isn't, if that isn't what ministry is in a nutshell, I don't know what is. Right? Because when you're doing good ministry and you're obeying God, there are going to be people who benefit. There are going to be people who come to know Jesus. There are going to be lives transformed. But there are also going to be people who absolutely despise you. There will be people who, doesn't matter what you say, they are not going to like you. And they are going to be fully convinced, much like the people in this passage, when they, when they say, well, he must be killing himself, right? They're going to be fully convinced that they're in the right. Surely you must be in the wrong. But our goal in our lives has to be to obey God. It has to be to hear the Father and to obey him. And so Jesus here, he, he, he says, look, there's lots of witnesses. There's me. There's the Father. There's when I'm lifted up, you'll definitely know. And so I wonder, 
when we look at our faith, when we look at what motivates us in our faith, and we look at and we say, okay, I want to do fill in the blank for God, right? This thing that God has asked me to do. Is our motivation in that, is it powered by these same witnesses of Jesus? Is our motivation to follow God because we are listening to God and he's talking to us? Is our motivation based on Jesus being lifted up, right? The obedience of Jesus on the cross, does that motivate us to obey God? And then additionally, you know, in the resurrection, are we, are we motivated by not just his death, but also in his resurrection to go into, to be a part of resurrecting lives with Jesus, right? You think of us like the third cog, right? Jesus says, well, I'm doing the things the Father told me. And so you think of us like the third, the third set on that. You, you think of us on the end and you say, well, the Holy Spirit has given me the directions to follow Jesus who's following the Father. <laughs> you see that progression? So, so what are we motivated by? Jesus was motivated by his love and obedience to God. He was motivated by what he knew he would accomplish in doing it, even though people were frustrated and didn't like him. So what motivates us? And are we remembering what motivates us in ministry and in life? Are we remembering that every day? Or are we, are we occasionally setting that aside and getting frustrated and saying, well, why in the world am I doing this? Right? And, I, and I can share this this week because I have these moments myself. I have plenty of these moments where I think, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. This is hard. This is beyond what I thought I was getting into. I'm done. And yet, when I come back to Scripture, I'm reminded of what is supposed to be motivating me in this. Right? I'm reminded that the reason I do this is because I love God. And because God loves his people, and they need to know that. And so I keep pressing on, and I keep pressing on. Because I've got to obey God, and I've got to, 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 to show people that he cares about them. So I press on. And so I ask you this week, are you pressing on? Right? What are your, what's motivating you this week to stay faithful to the Lord? And if the answer doesn't fall down to, you know, a love of Jesus, a love of the Father, a, uh, the human one being lifted up, the, the, the crucifixion and resurrection, the, what Jesus has done for you, that ought to motivate everything we do. So does it motivate you this week? Does it motivate you to be different? Does it motivate you in ministry? Does it motivate you in life? What's motivating you this week? Think about it. I'll see you next week.